Ducks fans, are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here Welcome to the show. This is your host, go. Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Richard, and we are back on Memorial Weekend. Uh, plenty to talk about uh, with the Ducks and the NHL and covering everything. Uh, before we get into the show, uh, I just want to thank everybody that listens out there that is a uh, member of the military or even a veteran, uh, just like Eddie Richard. Uh, as you know, a lot of my family, too, uh, served in the uh, armed forces as well. So I just want to give a big shout out. We got that three day weekend. I want to thank all the Patriots out there for everything that they've done. And uh, I want to thank you, too, Eddie. Uh, I know you did your service as well. And uh, it's much appreciated. Oh, I appreciate that. You you never have a thank you for, for that. I appreciate the support, though. And I, I do want to give a shout out to to everyone that uh, that served, all my brothers and sisters, uh, especially ones that, that aren't here and that lost their lives, whether it was in battle or if they had a battle, their other demons after the military. And I also want to send a shout out to all the family members and friends of our service members, too, because I know it puts a strain on some of you guys. And it's not easy seeing your loved one go away for time after time and then they come back and then they, they might be a little different or just not the same anymore so i, I just want to i want to give a shout out to you guys and 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 stuff that you sacrifice for them as well but uh, i hope everyone enjoys this memorial day weekend and just really puts in the in the in the front of their mind of what this weekend's all about it's not just about barbecues and getting getting lit even though that's fun it's about barbecues and getting lit and thanking the people that make this possible because a lot of those people from past wars are the reasons why we have this freedom. So I appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, this weekend, you, well, I guess the last week you did something a little bit different. Uh, well, not, not different for you, I guess, but you went out and got a new tattoo uh, with the Joker from the latest movie. And I thought that was very interesting because you talked about you know mental health and things like that. Obviously, it ties into the military and people with PTSD and all of that as well. But uh, I thought that was a very interesting tattoo, Eddie, because uh, it, it kind of puts all that stuff together and puts it in perspective. Yeah, this is like my second part of a three-part Joker tattoo. I'm getting the I got one of the of the mouth of Jared Leto's Joker, and I have Joaquin Phoenix, and next is the Heath Ledger one, which I'm really excited about. Um, he was my favorite Joker. I, I like the Joker character. I'm not crazy where I want to go blow things up and, and paint my, well, I probably paint my face maybe, but not blow things up or anything like that. I just, so it's something I like. And with me, it's funny. Like I, I mentioned it before. Like I grew up never wanting tattoos at all. I just, they never intrigued me. And I got my first one. I was like, okay, this is, this is it. I'm just going to get that one. Like, I don't want any. It took me a few years to get more. And then after I started getting more, it just became kind of an addiction. I had a friend that that's a badass tattoo artist, and he would tap me up, so that was fine. And then the months of the military, I always said in my mind, I don't want tattoos that I can't cover up with the short sleeve shirt. When I went to the military, and they were like, okay, we have a new policy where you can't have any tattoos uh, by a certain date. But if you have them prior to that, you're grandfathered in. So it's like I took that as a challenge, I guess, and I started getting a lot more. So it's like, now I'm like kind of covered, but yeah, this one was just a, a second part of it. And I, I think it's good. I had a good artist, Covina Tattoo Company, David, a uh, really cool guy. And he's just, he's really badass artist. Um, I'm looking forward to getting my other ones and 
I don't think I'm going to stop getting tattoos. I just, I have a rule for myself. I will never get a hand tattoo or neck tattoo or like any tattoos that, that don't cover in a long sleeve shirt. So if any of you listeners or anyone sees me with a neck tattoo or a hand tattoo, just know I won the lottery and I don't care at that point. You know, and, and something that people may not know is that Eddie has a whole bunch of tattoos. I know you posted different things on social media and whatnot, Twitter and Facebook and, and, and other platforms and whatever. But here's something you may not know. I have zero tattoos. Yes. Zero. And, I, and I'm not saying that like I'm against tattoos. Nothing against that, that at all. I just It's just funny because, you know, this is one thing Eddie and I are very similar in a lot of ways, but different in certain ways. And this is one where we're a little bit different. He, he, you know, Eddie's got a bunch, chest, both his arms, everything like that, his back, things like that. I have none. I'm not against them. I just, I don't know. I, I think maybe like you said, Eddie, maybe if I get one and I know what I want that first one to be, and maybe it might be like a snowball effect, and I'll get more after that. But uh, I haven't decided yet, man. But I, 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 I live vicariously through you and all your uh, photos and things that you post. Oh, yeah, these tattoos are getting rough. It's I, like 10 years ago when I was younger, I, I could sit through the pain. It's just, I, I, it's a different kind of pain now because you're older, I guess. I don't know why. Or maybe it's just psychological. But I, 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 part of my tattoo on Friday was the elbow, and that was hell. I, I but I, I really think I'm a tough person and I'm strong. But you know what? Getting your elbow tattooed and then getting my sternum a few weeks ago, it, it just really proved to me that, hell no, I'm not as tough as I think. Because I was like, oh, I even told my guy, I was like, bro, he goes, you're in pain, huh? I'm like, yeah, why do you think I just stopped talking? I was all quiet. It's like, oh, it's crazy. But you know what? It's fun. It's art. I, I, I kind of like it. I like the fact that I'm getting a tattoo. I don't think of any stress. I don't think of my problems. I don't think of bills. I don't think of anything besides just sitting there and enjoying that moment and getting tattooed. So it's, I guess it's a win-win for everyone. But, but I was talking to you offline too, and there's there's one thing we do have in common is the the, the whole needle part. I absolutely hate needles, and I have a, like a fear of needles. So it's just it's funny and ironic that all these tattoos, and I'm afraid of needles. It's it's funny to tell the these nurses when they draw my blood sometimes when I have my 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 physicals. That I'm all afraid of needles when I have all these tattoos, so I think it's pretty funny. No, I'm with you. That that's the one thing about the needles. I guess that's probably why I haven't done it so far. So, but uh, yeah, if you haven't checked it out, uh, look at Eddie's Facebook and Twitter and other accounts. He posts photos on there. You can see all the stuff he's done. Some really good artwork and whatnot. So, with that, let's uh, we'll dive into the Ducks and the NHL and everything that's going on. We got the playoffs. Uh, the Ducks brought in someone to help replace McNabb that retired. We have the Murray Press Conference, which Eddie and I have a lot to talk about on that. We're going to give our picks for the expansion draft and how the Ducks uh, may set their uh, configuration up. So we're going to talk about that. And uh, plenty of fan questions. So a lot to get to. So in the last couple weeks, the Ducks uh, had McNabb retire from the team. They then brought in Jeff Solomon from the LA Kings. Uh, he was the one that had been there uh, basically before the two cups, helped them win uh, the two Stanley Cups. Uh, the man's actually an attorney, uh, has a good analytical background, was a sports agent for several years. So before the free agency and the draft and all that, the Ducks actually make a move, quote unquote, and they bring him in. 
uh, posted an article on that if you missed it. But, uh, Eddie, what do you think? What are your initial thoughts of bringing this guy in? I mean, he won two Stanley Cups with the Kings. You, you have McNabb, who was a, a wealth of knowledge in the league. And now this guy comes in kind of with a, a variety of a background, legal and sports agent, contract knowledge and things like that. Uh, what's your read on this? I don't know. It sounds like a potential future GM for the Ducks. I, I don't know what is his good background. Right, hopefully he helps, but we all know who we have in charge. Is he really going to pay attention to, to this guy's expertise and whatever he he throws out there? Uh, it's just kind of one of those things where you have to wait and see. Um, maybe this was a move foreshadowing future events. Uh, we know Murray's contract isn't forever. It's going to be up soon. So maybe this is a, another person that was kind of promised a role if he signed up with the with the Ducks. Uh Possibly, who knows? Or if not, maybe he just like likes California. He doesn't want to leave, and the Ducks offered him an opportunity to stay, and he took it. I don't know. I just if if he can help the Ducks and help like, what's going on in this tragedy, and I think you mentioned too in your article about uh, maybe being a voice in Murray's ear and kind of can change his direction a little bit to help the Ducks be more competitive. Then I'm all for it. And, and and reading up on this, it doesn't seem like a bad signing at all for the Ducks. I think this is probably one of the best ones they've had so far it's a good start so hopefully they can continue upwards in this direction yeah i think it's good to bring him in and uh murray talked about him in his press conference that he had just this last week and we're going to dive into all of that of course you all know as eddie kind of alluded to murray said that he's coming back next season he said dallas akins is coming back next season of course that drew the ire of many people understandably so um, with that news, we know that both of them uh, have one more year left on their contract. And then he also said that he's been talking to Getzloff and trying to figure out how that's all going to work out as well. We did discuss Getzloff on the last show, if you missed it, at that time. And, and as of this recording, May 30th, uh, we're still hearing that Getzloff's planning to come back to the Ducks. We don't know the term or how much money and whatnot, but that part hasn't changed, whether you like it or not. Uh, we had a fan question about that, too, from Brian X BOZ. He asked, you know, our, our thoughts on Getzloff and whatnot. But uh, it looks like he will come back as of now unless something changes uh, between now and, of course, the free agency time. And we are going to have Murray and Akins for at least another year. Maybe Solomon replaces him after that. I don't know. Uh, Murray is big on him. He said that he knew that David McNabb was going to retire. He felt that the team was lucky to get Jeff and talked about dealing with him, having mutual respect with him. Murray actually, a positive thing, talked about how the analytical department's kind of been behind and that Jeff's going to help with that. So that's probably the best part, I, I guess, of this press conference, Eddie, before we go into the rest of it and kind of rip him a new one. But, um, I, I mean, that's where we're at. I, they're bringing in someone to help out and replace McNabb, which is huge. They lost a lot of experience. They're bringing another guy that's got decent experience, especially with the contracts, which is a big deal, of course, with the RFAs going into the offseason and whatnot. I like bringing him in. I think he's going to help. And as you talked about, you know, is, is how much influence, though, that's the issue. I think that's our problem is that he's still going to be assistant GM and report to Murray. And that's the concern I have, Eddie. Yeah, it's just like we all know that assistant word means. Like, if you guys work a job, you work 
my first job was fast food at Carl's Jr. when I was in high school. And it's like, a, he always had that assistant manager where you don't really have to pay attention to. It's like, okay, you're an assistant manager. Let me go to the manager and he makes the final decisions. So I, I don't know. It, it sounds like a great move on paper. I, I just hope we can see something different moving forward and then the Ducks can be a different entity than it was this past season and the seasons before. Um, yes, we'll get into the Murray press conference because I know a lot of you are probably going to tune in the show just to hear our discussion on that. But as of right now, and keep this show like keep it as positive as possible. This is a good thing for Ducks fans, and we should be happy about that and welcome him to the team. I agree, hundred percent. And a lot of you had questions about like, what do we do next season? What is the team gonna you know do to improve? And so Murray talked about that in his press conference. And you're probably not going to like what he had to say. But he talked about last year and how he didn't think last year was a lost season. Uh, I kind of have issues with that. But he mentioned that. He, he said that he learned more about the young players who took uh, step uh, forward last season. And then he talked about you know that he had to have a group of core players embracing his plan and need to identify that group. He also talked about the team getting faster, younger, and more exciting for fans to watch. So... You know, to go from positive to negative is what it is, or, or being a realist. Uh, we've heard this record before, Eddie. We've heard uh, get faster, get younger, etc. And as far as last year being a lost season, it's really going to depend on what they do in this offseason and next season. If we don't learn from the mistakes of what this team didn't do or wasn't able to do for whatever reason you want to get you know as the cause but if this team does not change from this past season to next season then last season was a lost season and the other issue i brought up on the show before he talks about this core group of players needing to embrace the plan to me that sounds like the players aren't listening to him from what he's saying. And that's what I've heard. And that, and if you la- listen to the last show, that's what I talked about. The players listen to Akins. They have a good reputation and, and respect for him, but not so much with Murray. And that block where Murray was talking about that, that's what I kind of got out of this, Eddie, is if we don't learn from the last season and if the players aren't receptive to this quote-unquote plan by Murray, then we might be in for a long road next year too. I, I, you know what? Next year, I'm not trying to be all negative, but it, we're, we're going to have the same outcome come next year. Murray is the problem, and I, I tell you this, and I, I said it numerous shows. I say it again: we are never going to win a Stanley Cup with Murray as our GM. Period. And if, we, if that ever happens, I will buy a Minnesota Wild jersey and I will wear it and I will post it on social media for you. That's how confident I am. He's just. He's just, he's just that press conference. Is watching him. He just sounds lost, delusional. He doesn't know what he's doing. It, it's just like I really hate to continuously talk bad about this person because he's our GM and he's done a lot of good things for the Ducks. But I, I think our team moved on beyond him, and he doesn't know how to really construct it anymore. It, it's just that's the frustrating part of it. He always says the same exact things and. He even seemed less enthused about it when he hit his last one. The, like the issue is with me, he's not looking in the mirror and accepting some responsibility for his actions and his failures. He, this is a team he put together and it didn't perform. Yeah, I get it. Like we're, we're that rebuilding thing. He couldn't even admit that fully. He used three other words to describe that. It's like no, look, we're in a rebuild. 
we have a plan. Then tell the fans the plan. It's not like it's terrible. The power play, the special team, you have to do something different. And it's just all roads are leading right back to Murray and his issues. And in his mind, I think he thinks he's just God's greatest creation to the Anaheim Ducks. And he's doing everything possible for the Ducks. But in reality, if you care about the team and you want the team to succeed, you'll eliminate the biggest problem of the team that's so far. That's yourself. Maybe a different role in the organization will suit you better but obviously being a gm and not willing to to work with the team and, and thrust the team into the right direction is the biggest issue like i'm still gonna watch the games i, I don't care i i anticipate the ducks not being good next season either but if if murray gets another extension honestly guys i don't know if I, i'm gonna sit there and when watch the games all 82 games or, or want to cover this team anymore it's just it's just getting too hard to see someone ruining the team, and it just and someone like him that's so delusional that won't even accept responsibility for his uh, his I guess factors in this team being so bad. And I, and I think a lot of people share that same uh, sentiment that you talked about, Eddie. Uh, you know, as soon as <clears throat> this thing came out, uh, you could see people just blowing up the Ducks' social media accounts, uh, upset that Murray's coming back. He's got one more year. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think a lot of people are on thin ice uh, as far as their patience with this team. And I, and I don't disagree at all. And if he does get an extension after that, oh boy, especially if the team doesn't make the playoffs next season, which we don't think they will. We have a poll question on that too. We'll discuss in a minute. But that's a huge issue. And he talked about this on his, his um, you know press conference that, well, he met with the owners. They understand the plan. Well, what the F is the plan? That's my issue. And how about letting us, the fans, know the plan? Um, he talked about some things going away, quote unquote, money wise. Uh, you know, obviously, like Perry's buyout is going from, you know, six plus million to two million next season. You got a couple other things that are dropping off, and you can kind of rearrange some things next season, but you still got to resign all these guys. And then he talks about, well, we got to draft well. We had some fans, some of you asking about that, the strategy. He's saying he's going to draft the best position available, which is coming up on Wednesday. We'll know where the Ducks will end up, somewhere between one and four. And then he talks about trades and making the old quote-unquote hockey deal, which, you know, you can roll your eyes at that one because we all know what that means. Um, it's just frustrating. So if there's a plan in place and he met with the owners, which – I've said this before. The owners have so much confidence in him and and whatnot. It, it's 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 unfortunate. It seems like they're almost like just giving him too much of the reins to run this team, and uh, you know trying to make things better next season. I don't know. I it, it, you know this plan. Well, what's the plan? You just want to draft well and get the best position available. Okay, so if the Ducks end up first or second. You know, they're talking about Owen Powell as being the best defenseman. Is that what we're going to go with? Even though the team needs scoring and the forwards have been the issue, the big issue, the power play has been a big issue, which, you know, he did admit to that in the um, press conference. But that's like, duh, we all know that. The power play is the worst in the league at 8.9%. Horrible. Uh, it's like common sense, which doesn't exist anymore in our society today. So, you know... I, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of frustrated. This press conference did not uh, really give me a lot of hope or encouragement other than the analytical part. Uh, I really want to see what's going to happen in the draft. 
and then free agency. Um, he, he talked about some personnel changes that need to be made. Uh, Mark Morrison was the assistant coach in charge of the power play. So uh, Murray talked about getting someone else in there to help out Aikens with that. Maybe another slight positive. Obviously, that had to be changed. We've kind of known that. But the power play wasn't bad for last season only. It's been bad for a while. I mean, that's nothing new. And now you're going to try and fix it? I mean, yeah, you should fix it. But you should have fixed it before. So, uh, you know, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to be, you know, get all crazy and down on Murray on this thing. But I want to be a realist too. And I feel like a lot of what was said in this press conference was a broken record eddie and and it's like it's show me time it's just a lot of empty words unfortunately yeah it's, it, you know what the only thing different about this time he said it he just said it with less enthusiasm usually before he he's more enthusiastic and he gets you going like i said you're at elementary school you're running for class president and we're promising freaking recess for 24 hours a day and it's all crazy he just I think he seems to plead it too, and I, I I don't know. Like he's just running out of words to say. It seems like like we don't want to hear words. I I don't think there's any like Ducks fans that want to hear it. We want to see actions. We we, we get it. We're in a process. That it's gonna take a while, and a lot of us are patient. But we don't see things improve here and there, and the same routine goes on over and over again. You're content with the same thing. It's like the power plays an issue. It's been an issue since Boots Boudreaux's been a coach, and maybe even before that. I remember the, that being an issue, and you're not changing it. If the if the power play was that bad of an issue, you can fire your your special teams power play coach in the midseason and bring someone else in, or, or do something di- change, do anything different. I don't care. You know what? If you want to put all your defenders as forwards and your forwards as defenders on a power play. What's the worst that's gonna happen? Because you're you're really dead last in the league as it is. It's just he's not willing to budge. He's just I I don't know, and I don't know why the owners are so content with with bringing a losing product to the ice. Like you you guys invested in this team. You guys are the owners. Your main goal obviously should be getting the ma- uh, the maximum profit you can. Yeah, you want to win. You want to get a Stanley Cup, but. Obviously, if you bring a crappy product, it's just it makes zero sense to me that they're just so content with that. Like, I don't know how much weed they're smoking or something, just to be that calm and and not just lose their shit about how this team is performing. But I'd be pissed off if I was the owner. I'd, they'd be heads rolling. I'd fire everyone. I'd go in the freaking stadium when they had fans and pick a random fan. Like, hey, bro, guess what? You're GM now. Like, do something different with this team. And I think that's, you know, even though that sounds crazy, what you're talking about, I think people have gotten to that point. I've had people send me messages on on Facebook and Twitter about different things as far as fixing this team and, and getting things going. And it's gotten to that point and, and it's, it's frustrating. You know, I, I think the other part that he talked about too in his uh, presser is that, well, the Ducks need to get more pucks on the net. Uh, I think, Eddie, you and I have been talking about that for, I don't know, two or three years now. We've been talking about getting more pucks on net. Like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, we've been talking about that. He also talked about players uh, not drawing enough penalties. He said uh, Comtois and Jones have been the best at that, which is which is partially true. Jones has been up there. Terry's been number two. Comtois has been number three at that. And he's but he's right about that. I mean, we need players to draw more uh, penalties to get power plays, of course, and get in front of the net. Uh, you and I have talked about that, and and more pucks on net. So 
He said he wants to add to the top six forwards. So I don't know if we're talking about Patrick Laine, which, you know, there's been rumors about that. Are they going to go out and do that? Um, they need to. The Ducks need to go out and get a top six forward that can score, get in front of the net, and put pucks on net. That's like priority, I think, number one. I, the goaltending situation, we, uh, Gibson's there. We'll talk about that later. His name came up again with Pittsburgh, which kind of irritated me. But as far as this team and what they're looking at and the problems, a lot of you asked that, like uh, Adam T-Town, what's the plan for the decks next? Uh, Cole Burke, what changes do you see in the offseason? Well, they need to make a trade. The Ducks absolutely have to make a trade. And they have to get a top-scoring forward for the top six, period. And if they don't in this offseason, it's going to be a long season next year. I do like Comtois. I want to see what they're going to do. Give him a good contract extension. Put him with Terry and Zegras. That's another part of the problem Eddie and I have harped upon is chemistry. This team has lacked that. This last season was a quote-unquote feeling out process. And Murray talked about, you know, learning about these players and these players and how they did. Okay, we got that. But you need to build an offensive lineup. The defense, I'm not too concerned about as much. And we'll talk about that a little bit later with the expansion um, draft and who to protect. We'll kind of go in more to that. But the offense is what this team needs to figure out. I really feel that this team needs to build off Zegras, Comtois, and Terry. That should be your your one set line that you know next season. Then figure out who's going to be the other uh, two uh, forward lines for the top nine. And then, of course, the bottom four, we don't care. Like, whatever. Grant, Delorier, whoever else is going to be down there. It is what it is for the fourth line. We know that. It is what, you know, that, that fourth line will be. But that's my issue. There's no set lineup. We need to add scoring offense to this team. And the chemistry, besides those three, Terry Comtois and Zegris, has been lacking on this team, Eddie. Yeah, I think part of the chemistry problem is these players weren't allowed to go out and hang out. That's really important when you play sports, when you play hockey. Like, just to have just have that time with the boys. like Or even girls, too. Like, for example, like stuff that I, 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 like sports that I played, they're just going out with the team. And having some drinks or having some lunch and just just talking, BSing, it, it translates on the rink. It translates on the ice. It just you get that better that that chemistry that builds. They didn't have that this season, and I understand that. Uh, maybe next season when they actually are able to hang out and have those off ice activities where they can just build that chemistry, it's going to help on the ice. But what we saw this season, it takes it's going to take more than that, and we need. A legitimate scorer. We need someone like you said that's going to get in front of the net, get in those dirty areas. Line A is a big guy. He has a really powerful shot. Yeah, he has things that he has to work on to kind of just that, that two way game. But I mean, if, if his job is mainly to score goals, then then so be it. That's that should be your like number one job. The, the Ducks have been lacking like, a number one left winger for I don't know how many years and how many years we talked about this. It's just we need something. And someone that comes in that just, just wants to put the puck in back of the net. We have Zegris. Yes, he's a pass-first kind of player. So give him someone that's going to finish and let him build up those points. Let him build up his confidence. It's just build from there. It's something, I keep saying it, I, I sound like a broken record now, but 
Like, something really has to drastically change for this team to be better next season. If not, we're going to be in the same situation. We're going to be probably competing with, with Buffalo for being last in the league again. It, it's just, it's like, it, I don't want to get to the point where I always have a, a, a kind of a, I guess, an escape saying, hey, thank God we're not X, Y, and Z team. But it seems like next season, the way this team is going, we might be that, like, oh my God, this is a team that's the worst and not just, um, just not just like the product in the ice, but just the consistency that hasn't been there either. So it's just, and the only thing positive about the Ducks is they don't have off ice issues. So let's just knock on wood on that and, and hope that, that nothing ever translates to off ice issues for the Ducks. Cause if that happens, then man, I don't know. I just go watch golf or badminton again. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a positive, right? The, the off season or off ice stuff has been fine. But, uh, you know, we put it out there to you guys to see what you thought. We put a fan uh, poll out there. You know, what do you think uh, about the Ducks making the playoffs? When, when do you think that they'll make the playoffs again? So we asked about next season, you know, two seasons away, three seasons away. And then I put jokingly, you know, hopefully in my lifetime, which a lot of you like that one. You, you know, about a third of you picked that one. But the majority of you felt that the Ducks would not make the playoffs next season but would make it in the 22-23 season. Uh, you know, a handful of you thought next season they would make it, 13%, and 16% thought in three years they'll make it. But, uh, you know, 40-plus percent felt the Ducks would make the playoffs in two years. That's where you guys are at. And then, like I said, a lot of you put, you know, hopefully in my lifetime. And I think that's the problem. That, that's what we're looking at. We don't have a lot of confidence in next season. I think a lot of people are waiting to see if the Ducks make a big move in the offseason, if Murray's gone at the end of next year that we're waiting on too. And it's unfortunate. We're trying to like hope for these things to happen. And that, that's what some of you asked. You know, you had Alex um, uh, H-O-G-U-E. He asked, you know, can we make the playoffs next year? I don't think so. I don't think this team's going to make the playoffs next year. Eddie and I talked about this last season. We thought the Ducks would be fifth in the division. That was what we said. You know, get lucky, maybe get fourth and squeeze in. Well, that didn't happen. We all know that. They ended up being last in the division and second worst in the league, uh, unfortunately. And, and next season, I'm kind of in the same boat now. I, I think that they, I, you know, I, I don't know. It depends on what they do with the divisions, right, and all the craziness going on in the world. They might re rearrange everything and put it back to normal. I don't know. That's, that's yet to be determined. But I don't see them, if they don't do anything in this offseason, they don't uh, go out and get some kind of offensive help or, or bring in someone to fix the power play. And unfortunately, I don't see them doing a lot. So this, they need to do something this summer. That's what this team needs to do. They need to bring in somebody to help score. They need to bring in someone to fix the power play. The defense and the goaltending is not the issue. I, I really don't. And, and we're going to have a deep dive a little bit later in here on the... Uh, uh, expansion draft and who to protect and all that. I, I don't see those as the issue. So that's where we're at. Um, yeah, you know, and, and the Ducks, they had the worst TV ratings, according to the Athletic this season, at uh, 0.17. The worst. I'm thankful, though. You guys still listen to the podcast. <laughs> and, and the podcast really went off, especially the last two shows. So I'm, I'm super thankful for you guys listening. But 
in terms of this team, there's a lot of issues. And the TV thing is a big problem Eddie and I talked about. There's a lot of people that just hit me up today about issues trying to watch the the game, like on uh, Dish Network and other things. That's another problem. I mean, if you want this team to be more exciting, like Murray's talking about, oh, I went and met with the owners. Well, well, okay, how about you make the games more available for people to watch? A lot of people get like the goals and different things from the games, from the stuff we post, the video clips we post because they can't watch it on TV. That's another problem. Uh, you're putting out a product out there that's not the best, but people can't even watch and like determine if the you know what's going on in the ice either. So you know that's another issue too, Eddie. So I'm with the fans. Uh, the Ducks don't make the playoffs next year. If in two years, you know, hopefully they make it. I, I thought another funny thing a lot of people said is we should have put an option on there that when Bob Murray's gone, the Ducks will make the playoffs. And I, I maybe I should have added that, Eddie. Oh yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, it's just the whole TV thing too. I, I think it has a factor into it. it. It sucks. Like it's a hard time for some people, and not everyone has the ability to to alter their their budget to watch these games on one platform like like, like you have you like sling t uh, sling tv used to be on they used to be on youtube tv they're not on these platforms anymore so like they don't have that option it's just not fair like I, i've said it too like you say hockey is for everyone but you just kind of make it for people that make a little bit more money than others like I, i'm fortunate right now like I, the work has been booming so i i can afford to pay for spectrum it's expensive and, and honestly like if i wasn't doing this show and and, and wanted to, to write and be part of ducks and pucks i probably wouldn't sh- like shove up that money and pay for spectrum I, I i don't think spectrum's a good cable provider that's just my personal opinion of what I, i've known from it so far but i think it's just a waste because all i'm doing is paying that money a month just to watch one thing is, is hockey uh, I'm glad that my roommate uh, agreed to pay half of the bill, so it's just it makes it a little bit better, but it's still just an inconvenience. Like you, you have to make this sport more available to everyone. You want to grow it. You should be able to have people watching games, regardless. Like like NHL TV was was cool if you want to watch out of market games, but you can't even watch your own team play. And some games are blacked out, or if you're in a certain area, you couldn't get the game. It's just you have to just like it seems like you have to jump through hoops to go and try to watch hockey if you don't believe me anyone that doesn't have spectrum or direct tv go try to watch nhl network and see uh see how your luck is on that and it shouldn't be that way i shouldn't have to turn on the tv and you can get basketball football baseball on just like uh, like that but hockey it's just you have to jump through hoops uh, poke your finger with blood and, and sign the dotted line give your first board away and you can barely watch it it's just that's what gets frustrating. It's unfortunate too because the Ducks have lost those ratings, and there might be fans that just stop watching and just will forget about hockey. And you just lost a fan because you couldn't figure out a TV deal. You guys are fighting over a few thousand dollars. I bet you it's not like a big lucrative deal where it's gonna, you know, change your whole entire life. It's just maintaining it. But it's unfortunate. But I do appreciate everyone that sends comments that 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 supports our page. Uh, we do the best we can for what we got, so, and we put a lot of work into this, and, and we love it. Sometimes it gets 
little overwhelming, but we're still here and we have that passion and, and we love the interaction and we love just to inform all the fans, especially the ones that aren't able to watch. And you guys make comments like, oh, thank you for this. I can't watch the game, but I follow this you know, so I can see what's going on. And, and that's what makes us it's happy. It makes it like worthwhile and, and like fires us up for it. So thank you for that. Yeah, 100%. And all the people out there, too, that, uh, uh, you know, like you said, that can't watch it and whatnot and get the stuff from our page. I'm, I'm glad we're able to provide that to you. Plus all the people that help us out on our staff, you know, Thomas and Logan, uh, all the people that write everything, George, you know, there's people that cover Mario, the Twitter and different things like that and, and help out. So uh, Aaron as well. So there are a lot of people that help us out covering everything, and that's huge, too. So... It, I'm not gonna lie. Was it tough to cover this last season? Of course, it was tough to cover it. But you know, having been born and raised in Anaheim and being a Ducks fan from the beginning, of course, we're gonna cover it. So, um, the Ducks season, like we said, came to an end. He had Murray come out there and say his comments, and then um, so you kind of thought, okay, let's look forward to the AHL. You got the goals right. You got Drysdale. You got Zegras going down there. They did not have a Calder Cup playoff. They did have a playoff for uh, the goals division, and uh, it looked good. The goals won the first game against the Condors. They had a, a three-game series, and then they ended up losing game two and three in overtime, and they got eliminated. So now you don't even have the goals to watch, unfortunately. I know some of you have mixed feelings. It's not a big deal because, like I said, no Calder Cup. Uh, they looked good in the first game. You had Zegers with a goal and an assist, uh, two assists. Drysdale with a couple assists. Sam Carrick went off in that game as well. I think the biggest takeaway uh, from this series was Dostal uh, going nuts, uh, making just crazy amounts of saves in these games. Especially that third game, they lost two to one in overtime. He stopped forty-two of forty-four shots, so pretty huge there. So, I mean, the future looks bright for the Ducks in the goalie situation, right? You have Gibson and Net. You have Stolarz. You have Dostal. So. I think that's the big takeaway from that series in San Diego, even though that they, they uh, had lost Eddie. Yeah, uh, Dostal seems like like the real deal. I don't know if he's going to evolve into the superstar goalie that everyone hopes you have, but he seems like a good option. Uh, his play is just, just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, he had a little a little bit of a hiccup, but these playoffs and the stuff he, he's done in the playoffs, or whatever you call them, right? <laughs> over there um, is a positive thing. I, I always said Stolarz is, is a good, capable backup. He's projected to be the backup, but we're not sure if he's going to be with the team next season. There's other factors that we'll go into later. But I think Dostal is ready to, to at least get some games in next season at the NHL level. We can really see his development transitioning from there. So hopefully, who knows, Like we might have another hidden gem and he could be another another Gibson for the team. So that's never a bad thing at all. And with that, the Ducks uh, and goals, right? Their season's over. We, you know, we have the expansion draft now that we have to be concerned about. We kind of talked about it on other shows before. We'll kind of go into it a little bit more here. Eddie and I will give our predictions on what we think will happen. Uh, it's kind of a tough situation for the Ducks. We've talked about, you know, with the expansion draft and the rules. I'll, I'll put out an article on this, but... The team can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie. Or they can go with eight skaters, either offense, defense, however they want to make that up, and one goalie. The goalie situation we're not too worried about as far as they're going to protect Gibson. 
maybe they take Stolarz and pick him up. That's kind of what Eddie alluded to a little bit ago. So there, that may happen. But in terms of offense, defense, there's a lot of things to try to figure out here. So I kind of broke it down into who the Ducks should protect, not protect, and then the maybes. And, and of course, the maybes is the big issue here. So looking at offense and defense, as far as protecting players, uh, I listed on here Raquel and Terry on offense they want to protect, Lindholm, Manson on defense. Um, looking at the offense, we'll break that down first, then go to the defense. Uh, as far as those not to protect, we've talked about this on previous shows. We talked about Henrique and Silverberg. Right, both their contracts are long term uh, through 23-24. Henriques is 5.8 million, Silver 5.2. Uh, Grant, you know, Eddie and I love Grant, but he came back this season was it was a disappointment. Um, you know, he, he did have six goals, but still, he he's just he didn't do as much as we thought he would do. You have Delorier, another fan favorite. Eddie and I love him, uh, of course, because he gets in the fights and all that stuff, stands up for the players and everything. Uh, not a guy that we're, we're against. So you have these guys that we don't think that they're going to protect, you know, as far as the forwards. Uh, and I'll let Eddie chime in here in a second. And then the big issue is really the maybes. I, I mean, who do you protect, right? If, if you're going 7-3-1 and one, or you're doing the other one, you have to look at Lundstrom, Jones, Steele, Heinen, Milano, and Volkov. A lot of players here. I, I mean, what do you what do? You do? How, how do you figure this out? The Ducks have to decide on what they're going to do. If they're going to go with the forwards and they're going to go with seven, you can protect most of these guys. You have Lundstrom. Uh, he had six goals. He, you know, he had a hat trick, played very well at center. Um, it could be somebody to come up through the line, especially if Getzloff later on, you know, if he comes back next season, like we talked about, but you know, you got to have another center up in there or Henrique gets traded, right? We've talked about that. That was a big rumor this last season. Uh, so you have him to question about. You have Jones, who plays hard, goes to the net, hasn't really produced offensively. Uh, Steele, as well, hasn't produced as much offensively, uh, but also is in the center position. You have Heinen, who is also the trade rumor uh, mill with uh, Vancouver, and also didn't get to play as much until the end when the Ducks had more injuries. And then you've got Milano, who had some concussion issues, don't know, you know, how much that's going to affect him. And then Volkov, who had little spurts in there too. So I think this part's really tough, Eddie. I mean, what do you think? I, you know, I'm thinking the Ducks for sure protect Raquel and Terry. I like Terry with Comtois and Zegris. Don't let him go. Raquel, really high value. We, we know Murray missed the boat on that. He st still could trade him later. You don't want to lose him for nothing, though, to Seattle. Uh, but what do you think about these other ones as far as not protecting some of these guys and the maybes? What, what's your take on, on all these? I know there's a lot of names in here, but it's really the forwards that the Ducks have to figure out that they want is that quote-unquote core that Murray's talking about. Yeah, I think uh, you, you hit the mark when you put Raquel, Terry, Linholm, Manson. Definitely, those have, they have to be protected. Obviously, Gibson's going to be protected. We're not going to talk about him because he's not going to go anywhere. And if you leave him unprotected, I mean, probably maybe part of me Makes me think the Ducks unprotect Gibson and let him just be exposed, so that can actually prove that Murray's delusional and needs to be fired ASAP. But but no, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't want to lose Gibson for uh, you know for for nothing basically. Um, I still think Stolarz would be a good option for Seattle to take. Uh, he's his game just uh, toward the end of the season. 
it just keeps increasing and he, at most he can be a decent and capable backup goalie and he can steal games for you he can make those big saves um it's just it, it's going to be kind of interesting i have the henrique silverberg grant delorier rowney obviously i don't want to lose grant because i like the way his his play style is but like a lot of these players on 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 the, like you had on do not protect I, I don't see seattle going for like yeah henrik has a lot of potential he didn't play up to it his contract is is kind of too high silverberg the same you want to take a risk on someone uh maybe he had a bad season he can just jump start it next season and, and be that scorer that we need and we know he can be if not you're taking a chance on a player that hey but maybe he's past his prime maybe he's just in that declining phase and are we going to waste a pick and waste that money on him it's just like doesn't make sense to me i think Stolarz would be the the best pick um shattenkirk i would love for him to be exposed and taken i think he was just kind of a I, i'm sorry to say he was a waste this season and i think someone else some could have brought in uh, his game didn't really really seem to jump up until later on in the end of the season but i still i, I still don't see anything special about him I think he's way past his his prime. Obviously, he is. But he just I, I can't see him helping the Ducks in the near future. So it's just like like what's the point of even having him? But I mean, we're stuck with them. If Seattle takes him, that'll be even good. But um, other than that, we have uh, Lundestrom is a good option. If he gets exposed, I think Seattle will take him. And then Volkov, him too. I I didn't know like a lot about him when he first came, but then watching his game, you just see him continuously getting better and better especially uh coming from tampa he, he he's kind of like whatever but it comes to the ducks and he just seems like he got rejuvenated so maybe that will spark a fire under him and they can get at least a consistent bottom nine forward out of him but i i still put my money on stolars i can't see seattle not taking stolars in this draft yeah that's the one that i i thought too if they're going for you know goalies and whatnot uh, he could be one. The only thing that might change their mind is he did get hurt in the IIHF tournament uh, leg injury. It doesn't sound serious, but he did have that happen. So I don't know if they're paying attention to that. Uh, again, just like trying to watch the Ducks on TV, you can't really find the IIHF on TV. Um, maybe some illegal streams or something. I don't know. I'm not going to promote those, but <laughs> you can't really see what's going on because I had some people asking about you know what happened with him and what was the play and well. I don't have video of it because I can't get access to it. So uh, I'm with you on that. If they're looking at forwards, you're looking at this maybe section. It's kind of tough with this team. Uh, Jones, Lundstrom, Steele, Volkov, Milano, Heinen. You know what they're going to do if they're going to go 7-3-1. and one, They could protect most of these guys. They could protect Raquel and Terry. That's two. And then you would be able to protect five of those next six. Uh, like I said, Jones, Lundstrom, Steele, Volkov, Milano, Heinen. You could protect five of those six. Um, it's tough. I like Volkov like you talked about. He has four goals and four assists in 18 games with the Ducks. Um, Heinen. I liked Heinen, but it seemed like Murray didn't really care for him. So maybe he exposes him and he gets picked up. That's another one to look for. Milano, I really like him. The concussion issues, he wasn't able to finish out the rest of the season. He barely played. He only was able to get in six games this season, which is unfortunate. So, you know, if it's a forward that they expose, 
if they go seven three and one if they expose one of those three maybe one of them get taken if they protect raquel terry jones uh lundstrom steel and then two out of those three maybe something like that is where they would go if they don't go for stolars and and, and they look for that so that's where i'm at I, I don't think any one of those would be devastating if the ducks lose Heinen, Milano, Volkov, I don't think so. If they lose Lundstrom, I feel like that's a William Carlson situation. Like, if they lose him, will he just go to Seattle and go off like Carlson? I mean, I don't know, because Carlson went to Columbus, didn't do well, but then went to Vegas and, and, and did better. So, you know, I don't know. I, I'd rather keep Lundstrom than those three. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that. If they do the 7-3-1, and one, I think they're in a good spot, but in order for them to do the seven, three, and one option, they've got to figure out some stuff on defense, which we've talked about. So if you're going to protect Lindholm, which I mean, that's like a no-brainer. You have Manson, which is kind of like Raquel. He has some trade value. Yeah, he didn't play as well this season, but you know you want to keep him because you're he's your stand uh, up defenseman, right-handed shot, right. There's not a, a lot of that out there right now. But then what are you going to do with Fowler? Uh, Fleury and Shattenkirk and this is something that I kind of thought about lately looking at Fowler's contract and talking to some people I almost think the Ducks should just expose Fowler uh, he's at six and a half million until 25-26 season I mean that's a long way to go will Seattle take a chance on him and do that I mean that's you're gonna pick him up and then you're gonna have to pick up that tab too I, I don't know I yeah you may call me crazy or whatever I, I get it call me crazy but if the Ducks want to do that 7-3-1 idea, maybe you protect Lindholm Manson. We talked about Flurry before because the other issue with Flurry is you, you sent a draft pick and Hockenpah over to the Canes, who also beat the beat the Preds, by the way. I know we're all happy about that. We'll go into that later in the show. But, I mean, you you could set up set it up if you expose Fowler. You could do the 7-3-1, no problem. Expose Shattenkirk as well. Uh, as you talked about, it was not as impressive as we thought, uh, taking too many penalties. He had some sparks of offense here and there, but still wasn't really what we expected with his deal. Uh, so that that's kind of what I lean towards, is do the 7-3-1 deal, expose Fowler, which, yeah, may be a risk, but if he gets taken, you open up a huge amount of cap, especially for the long term if he's picked up. And don't get me wrong, I love Fowler. He, he's one of my favorite players. But if you're, if you're going to try and do the 7-3-1, if you think all these forwards are so important that you want to keep this young core going forward, that's where I lean. Now, do I think Murray will do it? Hell no, I don't think Murray will do it. He doesn't have the balls to expose Fowler. I don't think he will ever do that. I think he he will protect Fowler, Lindholm, Manson, and then either Flurry or Shattenkirk, which you and I talked about in previous shows. But I think that's that's the key here is is which one do you go to? I think he goes with the eight and one route instead of the seven three and one route, and it, it really comes down to the defense. Uh, you know, do you want to protect three or do you want to protect four? Uh, that's what he has to look at. I don't think he wants to lose Flurry after what he did. Uh, you know, he did play well in those last couple games at the end of the season. He's he's not. You know, a Lindholm, you know, top defenseman, but he's also not one of these guys on the edge like Gooley, Larson, Mahura, Walensky that are kind of like that fifth, fifth, sixth, maybe seventh defenseman. So uh, that's what I'm leaning towards, Eddie. I, I don't know what you think. If if Murray will do the eight and one or seven three and one, what are your thoughts? Oh, who knows, it Murray? Who knows? He'll probably, I don't know. 
probably give up Gibson sometimes. Like if he's that like delusional and stuff, you have no idea what he's thinking. But what you have so far, what we've talked about, makes the most sense. I, I still think that we're, that we're going to lose a goalie in this upcoming draft. Like even seeing like the goalies available, you, they have to take a chance on the, the best possible player too for them. Stolars, like I said, he he can be your capable number one backup goalie and it's just and, and possibly who knows if he just goalies have such a weird transition and they develop differently you never know you just get the, the right one look at jack campbell in toronto like no one thought that he was going to develop anything yeah when he got drafted with dallas everyone thought like okay he's going to be number one he didn't play well in dallas la you saw a little glimpse of it toronto just he's he's pretty much being a, a, a star right now, a superstar. And he's the reason why, um, you know, they played well and they won games. I think he won like 10 games in a row or something like that. So you never know. And his contract and everything is worth taking that chance on. Like, hey, well, we're not going to lose that that significant amount if we invest in him. Okay, you know, worse, worse, we, he's just, he just fades out into the wind. Or we have... A capable starting goalie for a HL team that we know that that can be that 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 good goalie for our minor league team. So I really think that he's gone. It's there's like no question about that. They can expose and and open up that for other players like like Shattenkirk and, and Cam Fowler. But I just can't see Seattle taking them and investing their time in them. It just seems too much, too many problems, and, and you never know what you're gonna get. And it's too big of a price tag. Um, I would really keep like Flurry over Shattenkirk. I just, I I don't see it with Shattenkirk, and I don't see him really doing anything significant uh, for the Ducks in the upcoming uh, future. Flurry is one of those players that you don't know what you have yet. You don't want to just let him go, and then like like you said about William Carlson, him just thriving somewhere else. It's like okay, this could have been the guy. Same with Lundestrom. You don't want him just to. Just to go and be exposed and go to Seattle and become a 30, you know, 20, 30 goal scorer and be like William Carlson. It's just one of those things that, and especially Vegas. Vegas has Carlson and they have Theodore. And Theodore is a legitimate top, you know, top defenseman now. And the Ducks would, would probably be happy to have someone like that and be a little bit better, uh, especially in the power play, having him, but we don't. So it's just one of those things where it's just. Like I said, it's. I think Stolarz is gonna be the best bet, and and hopefully it's. It doesn't turn into the case where they pick someone from the Ducks and he turns out to a superstar because that's gonna be three times in a row, and that's gonna be terrible. <laughs> that that's the issue it, exactly is who they pick up and then that person turns out to be awesome. So I would go with the seven three and one route. That that's what I would do. I would protect Raquel, Terry, Lundestrom, Steel, Jones, Milano. And then either Volkov or Heinen. One of those three. Milano, Volkov, or Heinen. Or, excuse me, two of those three. I would protect. So leaving one of those guys out. And then defense, Lindholm, Manson, Flurry. Obviously goalie would be Gibson. Now, I don't think Murray will do that. So I think Murray will go with Raquel, Terry, Lundestrom. And then either Steele or Jones. And then Fowler, Lindholm, Manson, Flurry. That's kind of what I'm thinking. That's kind of what Eddie and I talked about. So that's where we're at. We'll find out soon. They have to submit their list in a couple weeks, and we'll see where Murray stands. So I'll put out an article more detailed on that, kind of going over it, 
and all the picks and whatnot. I have even added stuff in there with more stats and, and whatnot, but that's where we're at and, and kind of what our expectation is. So we'll see what happens with the Ducks, but I'm with Eddie. I, I think Murray's going to protect whatever defenseman that he deems that he needs to protect, and I, I feel that Stolarz could be gone. If he is not gone, then maybe they do go after one of those forwards. Um, unless, like I said, they want to take on maybe Shattenkirk because I don't see Murray uh, unprotecting Fowler in that. So that's where we're at with the team. And uh, But there's plenty of other hockey going on right now. There is the playoffs, all kinds of crazy stuff going on in the Ducks division, the West division. Eddie, as you and I talked about and we thought what happened, we had Ken from Sinbin Vegas on here. It's Vegas against Colorado. You had the Avalanche destroying St. Louis, sweeping them in four games. You had the Golden Knights, which Ken talked about. He thought they were going to have trouble against Minnesota, and they did. They blew them out in Game 7, but it took seven games. What's your thoughts now on the West Division as uh, Vegas uh, squares off against your second favorite team, the Colorado Avalanche? It's going to be a fun series. I, 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 t- I talked about this before these two teams even met. Having Colorado and Vegas play each other, it, it, that's going to seven games. Period. It, it's a, that's there, there's there's no discussion about that. These teams are powerhouse teams. These teams are physical teams. Goaltending, I think Vegas has the advantage on goaltending, but Colorado's on fire. They're just gonna they're gonna ride that momentum, and they really want to win. And they have the the pieces to take it. Eric Johnson skating again. He might come back, and yeah, he's not uh, the Eric Johnson you know from years ago, and he's not going to be a, a big factor on the point uh, points score. But for some reason, when he's in the lineup, the team just gets rejuvenated, and they play like, always better when he was in the lineup. He just does those like those little things. He he brings that 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 spark to the team. It's going to be a really fun series, and I, I think even non hockey fans, I, I would suggest. You, you tell your friends, like, watch this series because after watching this, you might become a hockey fan, hopefully a Colorado fan, not a Vegas fan. <laughs> no, but no, I, I, I wouldn't care. You could be a hockey fan of whatever team, minus the Minnesota Wild. But I'm glad the Minnesota Wild got beat uh, in that Game 7. It sucks that they actually went to Game 7. There's some controversy in that Game 6 of that goal, but whatever. We're not going to talk about that. What's funny was Ryan O'Reilly, I, I, I like him as a player, his comments saying it's going to be fun, we're going to beat this team, that really pissed off the Avalanche. For some reason, they swept them. So that was kind of, uh, sometimes you have to kind of be a little humble sometimes. Don't don't open your mouth and, and run your mouth like that when you can't back it up. Because obviously St. Louis didn't back it up. Everyone thought St. Louis was going to have this big old like spunk. And, oh, well, you know, what happened last time? They can do it again. No, Colorado just shut them down so that it's going to be a fun series but i do have colorado winning in seven yeah i'm i'm rooting for vegas and i know uh, we had mixed uh reviews from people on social media when i put out there who was going to win game seven a lot of you wanted minnesota of course eddie and i didn't want minnesota but now we got this going on and a lot of people that are ducks fans don't like vegas i'm going for them i'm rooting for them but i don't think they're going to win i i think colorado will take this um, they just took it to St. Louis, which I, I, I expected them to win the series, but I, I didn't expect it in four games. Uh, so I think Colorado takes this one, though. Uh, I really do. They also have home ice, which is a big thing that Ken talked about from Sinbin Vegas. He said if the Knights were to square off against 
the abs as they are now that they would need home ice. And I think he's right. I, I think Colorado takes this one. I, I think actually Colorado takes this one in six games. I'm going to go one, one little less than you, Eddie, on there. But I think it will be a fun series. It's getting underway this weekend. Uh, by the time this show comes out, game one might be over. So uh, we're recording, like I said, on the 30th before that. So I, I'm really looking to that. Uh, moving along, we had the East. Uh, you had Boston uh, knocking out Washington. Uh, not really sad about that. Bye-bye, Tom Wilson. I don't really care. Get lost. Um, the Penguins got eliminated by the Islanders 4-2. Uh, to two. I was a little surprised by that. Um, I, I mean, there, we talked about it before, Jeff Carter's on the team. I didn't want him to win another cup, even though the Penguins are my second favorite team. So I was kind of conflicted there, but the Penguins are gone. So you got the Islanders against Boston now fighting out in the second round. But the big thing that came out of all of this, Eddie, is of course, because of the goalie situation in Pittsburgh, you had all these rumors coming out again about Pittsburgh going after Gibson in the offseason. You remember... Uh, we heard about that earlier this year because of all the other stuff, which we, we said wasn't really legit. But then, you know, the Ducks had their player exit interviews. Gibson wasn't really happy, saying that he's frustrated because he feels that the team finds ways to lose games. And so this came up now. I haven't heard much really uh, other than the one guy, Nick Alberga, saying uh, the stuff that he did on Twitter about, you know, he, he wants um, Pittsburgh to go after him. I don't know that Pittsburgh has the assets to do that. They're not going to, you know, trade a Malkin or a Crosby or anything like that. I don't think that they have uh, sufficient draft picks to really offer a legit deal. But this came up again, and of course, it started all that nonsense again, Eddie. So, what did you think about the East? You know, you got, uh, like I said, the Penguins and, and and Washington eliminated, and then of course the the Gibson trade talks kind of sparked up again. Yeah, I, I didn't think. Washington would lose uh, four games to one. It, it, that was kind of that was kind of shocking, and I want to say part of it too was Samsonov's mistake by playing that 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 puck, that awful puck he is, attempted to play, and that was kind of a game changer for them. It, it could have went both ways, or Washington could have won that game, and who knows, they could have been advancing. But I don't mind that, like Boston. It's a good team. They have a lot of uh, a lot of firepower. The, the whole Tom Wilson thing is like okay, whatever. I d- did want to see maybe Ovi advance because seeing drunk Ovi in the off season it's always awesome. It's just <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but I was kind of glad when the Islanders beat the Penguins for some reason. Like I, I'm a big fan of, of Barlamov, and it's just they were the kind of the underdogs. I do have bad blood for what like how their fans treated Tavares. Like their fans were just pieces of shit on that situation. But yeah, it, it was a good series. They they pretty much wanted it more basically, and and Varley stood in his head. So that, that was good to see. As far as the Gibson rumors, obviously the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't aren't happy with goaltending. It's been an issue from the start of the season. Uh, I I've, I I know they try to reacquire back. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury, but it didn't really happen. It, it, you had to like think to consider they made the uh, one of the biggest mistakes in their organization, letting him go. And, and like, look, Matt Murray's gone to Ottawa. He didn't play well over there either. It seems like his career is kind of spiraling down. I, I get decision making a, a, a decision like that. You have a younger goalie. He won you a cup too. It's, he, he's a goalie of the future. It just didn't pan out, but. If, if any talks 
for the Pittsburgh Penguins wanting to get John Gibson is going to be extremely tough. It's going to be a huge move. And if the Ducks can actually do this and they both teams can do this, you don't start talking unless uh, Jake Getzel is part of the conversation. And unless he's part of the conversation, that's that's a little bit intriguing. Like you said, Mike, they need the draft picks. They need other players. If we can make a trade like this, they have to significantly give us a good amount of players that will put us in that right direction to accelerate this rebuild. Is it going to happen? No, there's too many moving parts, and I don't think uh, the Pixar Penguins want to get rid of Jake Getzel like at all. He he's he's a really valuable player. He's he's gonna be, he's he, he's he, not not he's gonna be he's really a great player. So it's just too many moving parts. Obviously, something has to change with the Pittsburgh Penguins and their goalie situation because it's really unacceptable. I think they're on the verge of being to that declining team. I can't see them competing for a cup in the next two, three years. It's just one of those things where the, you know they, they had it. And they had success, which is good for them. We're not going to get a Malkin. We're not going to get a Crosby. So those are out of the question. Latang would maybe be a discussion but he has some injury issues, but he'd be a discussion as well if you want to include Gibson. But it's just, there's, there's going to be too many moving parts for it, and I really can't see Murray even attempting that conversation with Gibson. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it would take too much uh, for them to get it going, even if it is like bringing in Jake or whatnot. I mean, there, there's just a lot going on there that it would take to get Gibson. And, yeah, he's frustrated. Uh, and that seems to kind of be the thing that's added to these rumors and whatnot. It was kind of the source of the rumors earlier in the season. And then obviously like him being from Pittsburgh, right? And Burke being over there and things like that. So I'm not ruling it out 100%, but if it was to happen, it would take a lot and it would be a crazy, crazy trade. And with Murray in there, I just don't see it happening. I, I don't see him making any big moves uh, like that. You know, I, I hope he does something this summer, as we talked about earlier. But yeah, I, I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, but the Penguins definitely have to figure out their goalie situation because it ended up hurting them in that series against the Islanders. And then um, we had the uh, the North Division, which uh, <laughs> we got some joy out of the North Division, right? Winnipeg. Uh, taking it to Edmonton, knocking them out. Uh, Winnipeg was down, I think, by three goals in one game in the third period and came back and won in overtime. I don't remember a situation like that, Eddie. Oh, wait a second. That's right. What was that comeback on Catella when the Ducks were down by three goals in the third period? <laughs> so, you know, if you're an Edmonton fan listening to this, I, I feel bad for you. Not really. But Edmonton got knocked out by the Jets. They, they were up. <laughs> by three goals in the third period in one of the games and lost and then went on to lose the series. Uh, no love loss for them. And then you've got Perry getting his 100th playoff point with Montreal. Montreal forcing a game seven against Toronto. Uh, obviously, the winner of that will take on the Jets. Uh, some crazy stuff going on in Canada. What, what's your uh, thoughts on these two uh, matchups, Eddie? It's just funny. I, I, I don't know what Edmonton's deal is you have two of the I'm gonna say I'll say top five but I'll spread it out maybe top seven players in the world you had McDavid having an unreal season you just can't get it together you get swept by the Jets that no one could have predicted it at all 
I think everyone's NHL bracket is to shit because of this. It's just, I don't know what's going on with them. Goaltending maybe, defense, but something has to change. And they have to make a huge, significant change to get their team to that situation. Like, There's no reason why you should have been swept this season. It's just, you had all those, those first round draft picks. Something's wrong with your organization too. And you have to fix it. Obviously, you're not going to get rid of McDavid. That's that'd be kind of stupid. You want him to, to, to build off of, or maybe that's the right decision to make because obviously you're doing it the wrong way. It seems like one of a uh, maybe Drysaddle has to be traded. Not saying that he's the problem that he's bad, but he would have the second most value on the team, and he could bring you a huge return to actually, you know, get your team to a different level. Um, if people want to say with this whole Gibson thing and trading Gibson, maybe that's an option. Like Ducks need a player like that, a legitimate superstar. So that would be in talks. Yeah, that, that's not going to happen. I'm just throwing it out there as an example. But it's just, it's pathetic. And I do feel for their fans. It, it's sad. I know a few of them that I follow on Facebook too. And it's just not fair for that organization either. They had so high expectations every season. They have a good team on paper and, you just can't get it together. I mean, yes, haha, it's funny. You guys lost another three goal lead. You can't blame it on goalie interference now. You just, it's. Just, I think their fans are at the point where they can't make excuses and blame everyone else. They have to start pointing at their organization and blame them. I agree. And you know what? The other news that came out too is Wayne Gretzky stepped down from his role with the Oilers after all of this. Now is going to be a studio analyst at TSN. So even the great one, Eddie, said uh, bye-bye Edmonton, where, of course, you know, he won several Stanley Cups. So, I mean, the situation isn't great for us in Anaheim, but, man, it's not great in Edmonton either. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what I prefer, to have our situation in Anaheim or have the situation in Edmonton. It's just one of those things. I think I prefer Anaheim because it's just, it's just terrible. Like, I mean, like, we could fast forward, not fast forward, but go back in time and see the teams that we had for Anaheim thinking that we're going to win the cup and we should have won the cup and we got bounced out early. We couldn't get past the game seven crap. Uh, we just didn't like come together. It's even worse for Edmonton when you have a player like McDavid and Dreisaitl on your team. Those players are f- amazing players. They're fun to watch. They're talented. They're legitimate superstars. And it's just seeing them, them waste their talent for a team that just can't get it together. That's what's sad. And I know a lot of people don't like McDavid and they just hate on him, but you know, I don't, I'm a hockey fan first. Like I, yeah, I love the ducks and stuff, but it comes down to it. I love hockey. I love the game first. So I respect and love watching a player like McDavid just thrive in the league, but it's damn, it's, it's horrible. It's, there's no excuse for that. And either something big has to happen. If not, Edmonton is probably not going to make the playoff next season and get bounced out the first round again. Yeah, I agree. They're going to have to do something over there too, just like we are going to have to do something. The uh, the last division uh, in the playoffs, you had the South. You had the Battle of Florida. You had Tampa Bay, uh, which was a fun series. They played the Panthers. They ended up winning that one 4-2. to two. And then, of course, most of you love this. The Hurricanes knock out the Predators as well in their series. And <laughs> the, the Hurricanes' uh, social media going after the Predators, you know, posting that they got blocked by them, then putting up these funny banners about, you know, crushing a beer and playing Creed during the intermission. 
and, and making fun of the Predators being the uh, the second largest crowd in the NHL was pretty funny. But uh, if you missed out those games, they they were fun to watch. Especially the, the Battle of Florida was good. Tampa Bay ended up, you know, as most of you probably expected, winning that one. And then I was super happy. Anytime the Predators get knocked out, that's always good. So it's you've got Tampa Bay against the Hurricanes now uh, moving forward, Eddie. Yeah, um, for some reason, I, I I don't know why I wanted Florida to win that series against Tampa Bay. I was kind of weird when Tampa Bay just all of a sudden had Stamkos and Kucherov healthy for game one, and then Kucherov goes and scores four points in that first game. It kind of seems that they kind of cheated the cap, which good on them for getting away with it and finding a loophole, but I don't know. I, I kind of wanted Florida to, to go ahead and take that series, but they didn't. Oh, well. Um, the Canes knocking out the Preds. That was okay. The Canes destroying the Preds on social media was even better. I don't know who runs that that Canes account, but I I would love to buy him a beer, buy her a beer. They're awesome. They're doing everything right in social media, and all the other teams need to take notes on the Canes because they've always been that, that, that force on social media. The Devils this season, too, for some reason, they just stopped giving a crap, and they just started talking crap. And it worked for them. It was funny. Like the engagement they had, it's just the Canes and, and the Devils this season really took off on social media. It's just really fun and enjoyable. They just you just want to see what they post next. Like you want them to have a battle with like Wendy's and another social media mogul that doesn't care, just likes to say things. But I I, I kind of wish a, a certain team that that we follow was a little more engaged on social media instead of doing the same thing over and over again. But I don't know. Maybe in the future, who knows? Yeah, the Hurricanes social media is pretty funny. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights is pretty funny. There, there's a couple out there, like you said, that really get into it. The Devils was a crack up because, like you said, them being at the oh. bottom of the league, they just – I forgot. There, Some guy trolled them, remember? And then he was like bench pressing like uh, no weights or something. Yeah. <laughs> and they made fun of him. And then the guy ended up like deleting his whole account, Eddie. That was hilarious. Yeah. And there was the other one too. Some girl tweeted about her fiance wearing a, a Rangers jersey, and they quote tweeted saying, "Oh, like, like I guess we all make bad decisions in life, or something like that." It's just it's funny, and, and some people get offended by it. Of course, the society we live in, everyone's offended. Like I'm wearing a, a, a shorts and a t-shirt right now. I'm pretty sure someone's offended by that. Who knows? But it's just. The Devils embraced it, and it's just funny how they're doing that. It makes them enjoyable. It's like, like I, if I were a fan and I played as bad as them, and and had that situation with the Devils do, I'd still have pride. Like, look at my team still firing shots. Like, I would like I'm even afraid. Like, if I ever play the, if we ever have a game with the Devils next season, and I'm running the the Ducks and Pucks account, I'm afraid to even say anything to the Devils. I probably wouldn't even tag them at all. Like, who knows? Because if I get trolled, it's like, I, and I can't respond back. But it's just fun to see. It's fun to see those personalities. Those people running the social media are doing it right. It's awesome. It's different. I love it. Vegas, too. Vegas, it came out there. I think that they were the, the trendsetters of crossing that line, that limit. The Hurricanes have always had that that spunky personality. Whoever's running it, they're always fun. Another one, the Avalanche. The Avalanche aren't like the Hurricanes or or the Devils, but they include their fans and, and they want to reach out to their fans. That, that Denver Avs page, they follow us back. They, I'll tweet something. 
or, or someone else running the page will tweet something without tagging them they'll respond they go outside the box to really reach out to their fans and make you feel included and part of the team so i really respect that a lot too and it's sad to say Sometimes the Kings organization, too, has some fun tweets, and, and they go at it. They've been kind of boring this last season, but the seasons before, they actually uh, been been jumping up there and doing it. The Ducks this season was a little bit different. I, I saw them kind of engaging more and, and crossing, that, I guess, that line, per se, but just they had to change it. Just be more upbeat. Just be fun. G- engage in fans, all your fans. I think every team in social media, if your fans take the time to, you know, pretty much to pump your tires and promote your game, either they're buying a jersey or they're promoting your stuff, you should just give them that love. Just hit that like button. It's not that hard. It's just, just give the fans that appreciation, and that goes a long way. The Devils, the Hurricanes, the Avalanche. They're all doing that. Even the the Blue Jackets too. I forgot to mention it because they had some funny stuff that was <laughs> that got them in trouble about that. Uh, oh, I'm not gonna mention the show. I don't want to get in trouble either. But you know, they had some fun stuff though. But it's really good to see, and I I love seeing that as part of the game. And it's just it's fun and it's the interaction and it gets people talking. Yeah, and that's the key is getting that engagement, getting people going. Even you know when you're losing, making up funny stuff and and whatnot. And trying to keep it light and entertaining, like you said. You know, you mentioned Columbus in there, too. Um, what do you think about the Seth Jones situation there? Uh, it's kind of interesting that uh, he's talking about free agency, Eddie. Yeah, it, it, you know what? It makes sense for a player like that. You're a younger player. It's the first time you ever experienced being an unrestricted free agent. I, I think a lot of players, I'm surprised a lot of players don't do that more often, but I understand the whole loyalty of it. Something's going on in Columbus because they can't keep their free agents. Like People just want to get out of there. So I don't know if it's management too or something internally going on or I don't know if over there is just a shitty place to play. I, I have no idea. I, I drove by there once by their arena. I mean, the whole atmosphere in the city looked amazing. I haven't had a chance to sit there and go to dinner or, or, or go there. I do want to go there again because I had a good experience driving through there. Uh, but I don't know. It's just really weird. Um, I don't know if if he had a goal to play in Colorado too. He has his ties, and he started hockey in Colorado when his dad played basketball over there. His dad asked Joe Sackick, um, like, what he could do to to be a professional hockey player. So I don't know if he has that ties there, or maybe he just wants to experience and see what he can get on the open market. Obviously, he uh, he's gonna get pretty much an overpayment for what he's worth on the open market. I know Columbus, their GM has an issue with kind of giving people their value or kind of underpaying people a little bit or trying to like underpay people. But it's just, I respect the fact that he told his team a year in advance. He has one more year in his contract. So they have the opportunity to trade him and get assets for him. So I really like that. Not just holding off, but it's going to be interesting to see. He's not going to come to the ducks. Don't get all weird about it. Blah, 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 but he's a good defenseman. He's not a superstar defenseman that, that, that's going to put all those numbers, but he can log huge minutes. You can put him in, in really hard situations, and he'll just be the, that player that you want. I, I like him. I have like I think he's he's a great defenseman. It's just It sucks that Columbus can't, can't hold players like that. It, it begs the question, what's going on with the organization? And if things keep going like this in the next upcoming few years, 
Could we be talking about a relocation for this team if they can't really hold superstar players? And they really have like held a superstar player since what? Like was it Rick Nash? Maybe. But it's just it, it's bad. We'll see how it happens. I would think Colorado would be on his list to go, um, since he has a lot of ties there. And so who knows? Good luck to him though. Yeah, I definitely watched that situation. I, I think you're right. He could end up going somewhere else. I, I've been to Columbus, too, like you talked about. Definitely a, a good place to visit. Uh, never went to the arena. But, um, yeah, I really, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that team. Another team, like like we said, uh, you know, Anaheim, obviously, Edmonton, uh, New Jersey, these teams that are having these issues trying to get back on track and do these things. So uh, I would definitely keep an eye on Columbus as well. So, we got a couple more fan questions, too, to kind of finish out this show. I, I guess the one for the Ducks is kind of interesting. We had a few of you ask this, and we had Angel Intruder ask this, you know, about the Ducks doing a new logo. We've talked about the Mighty Ducks logo or maybe something new. He also brings up the new captain. If Getzloff doesn't come back for some reason, which we don't think that that's going to happen, but even if he comes back, you know, are, are the Ducks going to do captain? Are they going to do a new logo? I think we talked about you know other captains for the Ducks. We t- we talked about Fowler. Uh, we talked about Silverberg before. Um, what what are your thoughts on this, Eddie? You, you think regardless of Getzlaff comes back, uh, you know who, who could we see be the captain next year for the Ducks? Well, yeah. Well, obviously it's gonna be Getzlaff, but if I had my pick and, and I can throw out captains out there, I, I would say Josh Manson. Uh, I think yeah he had some injuries it's hindering it but I think he he brings that element and, and what you want in a leader uh, by by leading by example uh, on the ice like he's just he's a, he's a good player yes like I said injuries have hindered him but I think he he would be my vote to be the new captain obviously Cam Fowler is it's a popular choice I, I think he would be named captain because. He's been there for a while. He's, he's supposed to take over Niedermeyer's spot you know, back in the day. But uh, just I think he would be one. As far as, you know, what, what's one thing that got me on this question, and thank you for this question, is this new logo thing. I, I think you meant maybe like a rebranding of the jerseys or the old school Mighty Ducks logo. As much as I don't want to see it, I just I don't want to see it every single game. I, I want to see it as a third jersey. I'm I'm good with this regular jersey they have right now, the home and away, but I would love to see just a, a nice little retro, egg eggplant color jersey. That'd be that'd be cool. Obviously, I don't think the the Wild Wing jersey will be back too much too soon. They only wore it like what two or three times this season, so they, and I really wanted them to wear it against the Kings, but they didn't. But yeah, um, as far as the new future too, uh, hopefully, I mean. Uh, you know what? We, we we can do something different too, Mike. And what about giving some of like uh, our younger players that captain? Just throwing it out there. Like, I don't agree with that. I, I don't. I think you have to earn that captain spot. But like someone like Comtois, someone like Zegris, Drysdale, they're the they're they're the future of this team. They're up and coming. You can see them being superstars. Why not just throwing the C on them and and building the team off them and see what they can do with it. It's funny that you brought that up. I think you read my mind because that's exactly what I was thinking is uh, have one of those younger guys come up and 
have them be the captain. I mean, you know, you had Korea come into the league and he was named captain shortly after. Uh, why not have Segris or Drysdale uh, be? I, I really think that those two, uh, you mentioned Comtois, especially hopefully he gets a, a decent extension this offseason. I, I could see those guys being the alternates, all three of them. Uh, for sure uh, down the road. And then, I i mean, Zegris and Drysdale would be, I would think, front runners to being captain. I know they didn't play a full season uh, between those two last year with everything going on. They sent them back down to the, to the goals. And then, of course, you know, the eligibility of the free agency and all that craziness with the number of games played and whatnot. But um, if Getzloff comes back next season, they keep him as captain, you know, for a year or two. Uh, I could definitely see those three being the makeup of the leadership of this team going forward. And that's what I really look at. Um, you know, that that's the big thing. If Getzloff doesn't come back, say he does retire for some reason, maybe they do, you know, go with like a Manson or Lindholm or a Fowler or something like that, as you discussed. But I wouldn't be uh, against them giving it to one of those guys or, or at least having them make up the leadership on the team, Eddie, uh, like I said, uh, you know, Korea, they they made captain really early on. Um, so I'm not against that. I, I, I think it would be a good thing for the team. I think it would be signaling that the team making a change and going forward and going with the youth and all that. But I, I think in the end, maybe Getzloff does come back for another year and then they give it to one of them the following year. That's That's kind of what I think may happen. Yeah, I guess I'm like if he comes back, I'm not talking about stripping the captaincy away from him. I think he's a fantastic captain. I think he's one of the best in the league, and he'll always be a captain as long as he wants to come back. Um, the whole question is, is he going to come back? Like, who knows? This team's in a rebuild state. They're not going to make the playoffs. I don't know if he's going to want to come back and maybe get a, a trade. He considered that uh, this off season, which was rare because he was so adamant about being prideful on one team and didn't want to trade. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know if how happy he is with management or fans are going to be in the building. Maybe he wants to play that one final season. He can have the fans in the building too. I know it's hard to play without fans. It's going to be a kind of a wait and see. It was a really good question though. I really like this question and it's something we have to think about because Getzloff's not going to be here forever. And eventually there's going to be someone else wearing that C for the Anaheim Ducks. And I just hope they can just do a good enough job as Gustav did because he's like I said he's probably one of the best captains in the league and I think he's did a fantastic job at at being that captain on the ice and off the ice too yeah I agree as far as the the new logo thing uh I I'm with you on that I I think that I I don't have anything against the current jerseys I think if they did do a third right they have the orange which I do like the orange and the black is cool I I kind of wish for me, I wish that would be the home jersey as far as the the color scheme and everything. I, I wish that they would go with an orange and black type style uh, with with more orange uh, for the home jersey. That's kind of my take. Like, I, you know, we've talked about this before. We've had a lot of discussions about jerseys uh, for the Ducks on this podcast. I really like the Stadium Series jersey. Not saying that they have it exactly like that or, or even exactly like the third, but something predominantly orange for the home jersey. I really wish the Ducks would do that. Keep the white for the away. And then, like you said, 
have the third be the the Mighty Ducks logo with uh, the purple um, being the, the predominant color on there. I really like that kind of setup. It just seems like we always fall back to black. Black, 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 black. And don't get me wrong, I, I like the black too, but it, it just, that's always what we go to. And I think having a third purple, like you mentioned, Eddie, is a good idea because it's still a dark color, but it's kind of an alternate to that black. And then the orange, my whole thing was we talked about this when the Ducks were, you know, in the playoffs and, and always contending every year was, you know, painting it orange like the Ducks used to have at the home games and having the orange towels and having fans wear orange and being Orange County. So I, I would like the home jerseys to be orange even if they shifted the third to the the home one and whatever i mean i'd be okay with that but but the main thing is have the home be orange the way be white and the third be purple that's that's just my opinion i don't i don't think it will happen but that's just my two cents on that eddie yeah i'm a big fan of the, like dark jerseys like black jerseys so i like black i think it's like a classy color to wear so it's i have no issue with that um that one jersey I had Ronald make like, make me it was awesome. It was like the the it, it was the old school logo with orange in it and the new school jersey. So it, it, it looked good. I would love to see something like that. I doubt it's gonna happen. So I, I think if anything, I know the owners like that orange and being part of Orange County. So if anything, I think our orange jersey or some kind of an orange jersey would be our main one coming in the upcoming future. But Honestly, at this point too, as much as I love our, our current stuff, I have to like realize that change is better. So if they do something different, I'm not gonna be all mad about that. But I want something a little bit different. Now the whole logo changing, I I, I don't want any alterate like alterations to the logo. If you want to go that D style logo, keep it. Obviously the, the old school Mighty Ducks logo, keep that. But like that Mighty Ducks like logo is so iconic. I wouldn't want to see it game game in game out. I want to see it as uh, like I said, a retro jersey, a third jersey, and, and keep it just interesting. So when they we do wear it, it's like you're even more excited. Like oh, we don't see it that often, but oh, we're gonna get excited to see it. Um, maybe that's a, an issue too for the Ducks. that need to go in the future. It's like kind of a maybe thinking about changing their jersey up a little bit. Last time they did it, they won the cup. So maybe uh, if they do it again, knock on wood, we can win the cup. Yeah, exactly, and, and I'm with you. I don't, I don't want a whole new like rebranded logo or anything like that. Yeah. I, I, I'm not uh, talking about that. I'm just talking about primary colors. If they change that up a little bit, and I, I like your idea of the purple with the Mighty Ducks is the primary one. And yeah, the one that Ronald uh, made you was pretty badass with the Mighty Ducks logo on the new current black. I, I like that too. Will the team do it? Probably not because every time we suggest stuff like that or you guys suggest stuff like that, it doesn't go through. So <laughs> I, I'm not thinking that that's going to happen. But but I love this question. So it'll be very interesting when uh, Getzloff makes his decision and then to see what the Ducks do at the captaincy. So that's something else to watch for this summer. But lastly, the Best question. This yes. is the most important yes. one by Jacob Love Stella. Stella! Uh, anyways, Jacob Love Stella, he says, is a hot dog a sandwich? I was like, when I saw this one, I started laughing. I, I love when you guys send us like questions that are just off the wall. And <laughs> Eddie and I were talking about this. I'm like, is a hot dog a sandwich? Then it almost made me think, is a hamburger a sandwich? I'm like, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. So, so I went to the Webster Dictionary. 
And they say that a sandwich is, quote, two or more slices of bread or a split roll having a filling in between, end quote. So by that definition, a hot dog would be a sandwich. But but is it, Eddie? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on this. Yeah. Okay. My first question is this Instagram like handle, Jacob loves Stella. Now, do you love Stella as your significant other, or do you have Stella as the beer? Because that's kind of an important question too. Because the Stella beer is great, but you have to drink it in the Stella glass. But hot dog, a sandwich, uh, I don't know. I I wanted to distinguish both of them as being different because. It, you know, it's, it's it should be different. Like a sandwich and a hot dog, it shouldn't be the same thing. And honestly, I haven't had a hot dog in, I'm going to say since, oh, it's been a year maybe. I, I changed up my diet, so I'm really like particular in what I eat now. But I think after like reading this question, I have to, I don't know. I have to say a hot dog is not a sandwich. It's their own different entities. But this question is going to make me have a hot dog. Now, I think I deserved a hot dog, and I think I, I, I've, I've worked hard enough to get a hot dog. So, Jacob, thank you for this question. This question was freaking awesome, though. It, it's it's the best question we had in a while. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to get a hot dog because you suggested this question, and you made me think about a hot dog. So, I'm going to get a hot dog. I'll post it on my social media. I'll tag Ducks and Bucks, too. So, if you need to follow it, you can see the hot dog that I'm going to eat in your honor. <laughs> I, I, Stella, wait, no, and, and you know what I'll add I'll eat the hot dog with the Stella beer there you go everyone's happy now there, there you go there you go I, I have to go with no because I think it like it, it falls short that's my whole thing like you have slices of bread right um, you can go to a Subway or a Togo's or something like that and you get the meat in there or whatever but you don't get a quote-unquote hot dog right meat in the bread so that's my thing you get you get lettuce you get cheese you get slices of meat you don't get that actual like link right put in there that's my whole thing so i think because of that it falls short i think a hot dog is not a sandwich i'm not opposed to it but i mean if we're going to be technical here and you're right i haven't had a hot dog in a while either um, I, I think it, it, it doesn't. I, I think you got hamburgers, you got sandwiches, and you got hot dogs. And I think it's because of the meat that it doesn't qualify as a sandwich. You you might say it's in sandwich bread, right? Or, or like a Subway type thing. But the way the, the hot dog, quote unquote, meat is, I think it doesn't qualify. But I, I thought it was a hilarious question, Eddie. Yeah, and you have to have the perfect hot dog. And, and like the perfect hot dog I've had so far that I, I can recall... This place in uh, it's called Dog Hoss. It's in Claremont, right off the freeway. It's so it's just like I'm not advertising them at all. It's just it's, it's, there's no advertising that they're free. But I'm just telling you, the last time I had a hot dog and the best one I had was from there. I don't know what they do, but they make their hot dogs just absolutely amazing, and I love it. I remember I had those hot dogs too when I get really drunk. At, I used to go to the Ducks games. That that guy with a little cart. That makes those uh, street dogs or whatever. With the bacon. Yeah, those are pretty good too. I felt bad eating that, but uh, I think Dog Hoss and that guy with a little cart in front of Honda Center when we used to go to games, they have competition because those are like kind of the best hot dogs I had in my life. But you know what? This question's going to make me want to get a hot dog. So I'll probably, uh, 
I'll probably get one tomorrow. I think I can. I, I can. I can cheat like that. I played. Well, I've been playing a lot of hockey lately, so I have a lot of cardio coming in, so I can afford to to at least eat unhealthy for for a day. Yeah, I'm with you. And wrapping it in bacon, those guys. I've I've bought some before uh, leaving the Honda Center with the little card out there. I highly recommend it. So hopefully next season, if things get somewhat more back to normal and you're leaving Honda Center, I would get one of those. I, I definitely recommend it. So um, with that, we'll wrap up the show. I hope you guys all have a happy and safe Memorial weekend. Again, if you're in, in the uh, military and serve right now, thank you. If you have family or friends, thank them as well. And uh, we'll have another show. We'll keep doing shows throughout the summer. Uh, we'll have one before the regular draft, and we'll talk about you know once we find out the Ducks are one, two, three, or 4, where they're at and how that'll go. So we'll have another show covering that and if any other news comes up. So uh, with that, like I said, happy Memorial Weekend, and let's go Ducks.